You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. My name is Angie, and this morning we are digging into a brand new series. We are talking about the heart of the Father, and what does that mean? What does it look like? How do we stand on knowing that we have this incredible Father? And we are going to have some amazing opportunities to hear testimony. But in the studio with me today is Mr. Mark Bird with Revive Ohio. Hi, Angie. Let's talk about the heart of the Father. What is it? And how do we set this up so that people understand where we're going with this series? Yeah, you know, it's important that we understand love. And so today, the heart of the Father, as we begin to unpack this, because it is a deep subject, and it is one that actually takes time to study out, to understand, to seek. I mean, who could explain God? That's what we seek to do when we share Christ. We share God with other people that maybe have heard bits and pieces about God, But how do you begin to explain God without the word love? Yeah, I don't think you can. You absolutely can't because, listen, here's the deal, is we love because he first loved us. So we learn to love because of God's example to the world, God's example through Christ, who is the gift of his love. Yeah, and... The thing that I I totally understand what you're saying, but there was a time in my life when I didn't really understand what love from a father was Mm. because I didn't necessarily have that in my life. Not like, you know, like Father of the Bride movie. He loved his daughter so much and he did anything for her. And I see friends that they're that way. And I didn't have that kind of relationship. And so I know that there's people out there that even were raised without a father. Right. So this is going to be a very interesting subject moving forward, because really we need to understand that no matter what our earthly fathers are like, that our heavenly father is and always will be right. exactly the same. That's really good, Angie. So our first text today comes from 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to be reading verses 7 and 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And here's where I want to focus today. He who does not love does not know God, for God is is love. One of my favorite passages. Mine too, because this tells me, it speaks today of God. Who is God? What is God? What does he think? What does he believe? What's he like? Well, he is love. Well, here's the confusing part for most people, because when we throw out the word love, Angie, depending on our understanding. Yeah, our filters of life. What is love? How many songs have been written about love? Well, and I think it gets distorted in the media, and I think it gets distorted in movies. And I know from personal experience with people and myself that there's always this chasing after a love, but it's not the way that we're supposed to be chasing. Do you know what I mean? It's I do. We've always tried to find love in all the wrong places, right. as the song would say. So it's very interesting to bring it back to God and getting a clearer understanding. And I love the fact that he is love because he can't separate himself. Right. His name 
is love. His created personality, his characteristics. That's There's good. no way to separate yourself from that. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions or misunderstandings is that God is this ogre, this tyrant, this boss, this ruler ruling with an iron fist. Right. It's that back to that whole fear of God thing that people misunderstand. Right. But I think if we begin by understanding that God is love, like what is yeah. love? Then we have to challenge everything else that we believe. Right. And then if I say, I love Taco Bell, right? it's like, first of all, you're going to say, are you crazy? Yeah. Are you crazy? Right. <laughs> Which I don't love Taco Bell. But my point is, you get my point, how love is thrown around in yes. our culture today. Yes. And it really is far from what love really is. And here's the other thing is I've studied languages before. Yeah. And in other languages, the different ways that people love are different words. Ah. But in English, it's just one word. Right. And the Bible even shows this. There's several different variations of the word love. There are, for sure. And we're going to get into that in just a minute here, Angie. I want to start reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and most Christians affectionately refer to it as the love chapter. I think that what you just read, 1 John 4, yeah. is the love chapter. <laughs> but that's too. okay, because we can all have something different. <laughs> so I think what we're going to begin to unpack today in this series— the heart of the Father, and, and why we're starting with love, because love is God, and the Father is love. And so you have to try to begin to understand His love. Here's what I like to do always, is I take a word or a concept, and I say, okay, well, what isn't it, <laughs> right? What isn't love? And I love this because Paul does the same thing here, starting in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become as a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. So that's not what love is. It love is not is just not a lot that. of noise. <laughs> exactly. And how many people are irritated by that kind of expression of love? Verse 2, it says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. I love that. This is what God is not. This is what love is not. This is what the heart of the Father is not. It's not just the gifts. It's not just the faith. It's not just the action, but it's love. And though, verse 3, I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And that's the end of what I want to read scripture-wise, text-wise today. This is what love is not. This is what God is not. He's not about boasting. He's not about bragging. He's not about things. And so in America, a lot of times our version of love is the gathering of things to show. Now, it's good to have a heart that wants to give gifts. But you know, Angie, there are relationships and gift-givings but it's not really motivated by love and understanding the heart of the Father. Jesus said this, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, mm. but how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to you mm. because of his love, right? Yeah. So here's what love expression, like you said, in the English language, it's all translated love, but there are literally four different kinds of love that 
there are four different kinds of Greek words that the scriptures actually teach us. And the first is physical love. And what's interesting about this is it's the Greek word eros, and it comes from a Greek word which commonly means erotic. It's where we get the word erotic from. Mm. But it's interesting because no New Testament scriptures talk about that and use that word. Mm. Although the Greek translations of some of the Old Testament passages are in there using that word. The second one is family love, and that Greek word is storge. Paul uses this word to command us to be kindly affectionate to one another in Romans 12.10. That is family kind of love. So meaning like when we're in fellowship and we feel like a family, that's the kind of... Storge is what you're talking about. that's what storge is. That's correct. Yep. The third one is affectionate love, and the Greek word for that is phileo, and it's where we get the word for Philadelphia. And, of course, Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, and this is where this word comes from, phileo. It's family kind of love. It's how we love our family, our brothers, our sisters. This is like affection for our family members, Mm. and that's where we get this. So God never commands us to have this kind of love for everyone because our relationships to different types of people are often beyond our control. So what is actually happening is a special bond in our heart, a special feeling in our heart toward our family members. Have you ever heard the term, well, listen, I can say anything about my own family, but don't you (laughs) dare say anything about my family, Right. right? It's that special feeling that you have, that special love that you have for your own family members. So I guess that what I'm, what I'm hearing you say is I could sit around in a group of women and I really love these women They are kind of like my sisters. Right. But my actual sister, I love on an even deeper level. We're connected for life. There's no changing that. Yep, that's excellent. And God the Father loves the Son in the affectionate way, as he talked about in John 5.20. It pleased him as well. He said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. God loved the Son, and he loves us as sons and daughters. So which version of love did he use there? Phileo. Okay. Member of my family. Oh, okay. This is my beloved son, Phileo. Oh, you see that? Yeah. Interesting how God used that as well. And which brings us to the next one and the last one we're going to look at today, and that's number four. And it's called the love of choice. And it comes from the Greek word agape. That's the Greek word. It means a love of choice. Now, here's what's interesting and why I want to tie this to 1 Corinthians 13, because it's a choice. God chooses to love us unconditionally. Mm. So God decided that I'm going to love my creation unconditionally. So that means that how he loves us is regardless of how we act. So think about this. If you're a parent or a grandparent, no matter what your child or grandchild does, does not change your love. Not right? at all. Yeah. Now, now, emotionally, they may be up and down, but it will never strip away your love for that child. Yep. And that's agape. It's a love of choice. I choose because this is a product, right, of my loins, 
Mm. right? If it's a child that comes from your loins or if you're a grandparent, same kind of thing. It's the lineage. And it's like, this is a part of me. This is my bloodline. So this is what agape is. And this is used predominantly through this chapter 13 when it talks about love. This is agape. So when you read through here, you take all the places, and we're not going to go through the whole chapter here, you take all of the places that it says love and replace that with God. God never fails. God suffers long. God is kind. And it's that agape love. So agape love and God the Father are one. God is love, First John 4, 8. Wow, that's pretty deep. It's pretty deep, and it takes a while to unpack that and understand it all. But again, in America, love has been so diluted in all these different ways, through eros and, and storge even, and phileo, affectionate love, and it's mm. misconstrued, misinterpreted. And how do you explain that, Angie? You have these feelings. This is where people struggle, I think, so much. You have these feelings, and how do I deal with them, and how do I explain them? Mm, yes, yes. This is a great introduction. So we're going to break this down over the next few weeks, right? With our yes. teaching. <laughs> All right. It's time for us to move on to our testimony. And I'm really, really excited to share and introduce my new friend from Springfield, Ohio, Pastor Eli Williams, who I just recently met as our team went to Springfield on a mission to what we called boot camp. Pastor Eli, welcome to the program today. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Mark, and you can just call me Eli from this point forward. Awesome. That's what I'll do then. <laughs> Eli, today we're beginning a new series, and it's called The Heart of the Father, because, man, when you begin to understand the heart of our Heavenly Father, it really changes perspective for every single thing in our lives. And Eli, listen, here's what I've learned about you just in the short time that I've known you is that you have spent years understanding this topic of the heart of our Father. Well, there is just so much to this topic, and I'm happy for any time I can share my heart on it, uh, but uh, it really would be a whole series in itself. So let me kind of put it in a nutshell for you. When we look at the Heavenly Father and His love for us and how that love manifests itself in the way in which He treats us and pursues us and seeks to build a relationship with us and has grace and mercy toward us and the compassion He has for us, it inspires us as humans, or at least it should, yeah. inspire us as human beings, and particularly for Christians, to want to emulate that love when it comes to the way in which we build relationships with our children, not only our children's, but, you know, the other people in our lives, our spouses and, and those with whom we come into contact every day. It is the Father's love that is our model. It is our pattern. It is what we should be aspiring to be, lovers as God loves. Mm. And the Holy Scriptures gives us so much insight into this. You know, so often during marriage ceremonies, and I've, I'm guilty of it myself, we will, as pastors, 
teach about love and we'll use first Corinthians chapter 13. It's even called the love chapter, right? right yes. And, and, and that's great. That's wonderful. But it's more than just about marriage. Those depictions, those descriptions of the attributes of love have broad application. And certainly when it comes to what it means to be a father and to love our children, a love is patient. Mm. And, and I really prefer the words long suffering because if it's, if it's the kind of patience we're prone to think about, it's that instant kind of patience. It's like waiting for the popcorn to pop. <laughs> yeah. Sure. That's, that can be said to be patient, but agape love produces a supernatural kind of patience that really is long suffering as the King James version puts it. It's love on steroids. It's being patient over a long period of time under difficult circumstances without complaining. And that's the kicker because we can have the patience with a child or with our spouse for that matter over a long period of time and even under some difficult circumstances. But the moment we begin to complain, we have lost our patience. Mm, that's good. So it's important to, to be prayerful and to ask God, Lord, help me to have the kind of love for my children, the kind of love for my spouse, the kind of love for other people that you have for me. You never complain about me. And Lord, I give you plenty of reasons to complain, but yet you love me and you're patient with me. Give me that kind of patience. So we try to help dads to understand that if we're really going to love our children the way that God loves us, we need to develop this kind of supernatural patience that really honest and truly can only come through maturing as a Christian, allowing the Holy Spirit to develop this kind of character in us so that we could be the best dads that we can be. That's excellent, because a lot of people would say, I don't have time for that, don't they? That's our modern culture. Mm -hmm. Our modern society is the drive-through culture, or like you're saying, at the very most, give me uh, a minute 45, right, for the popcorn to get done. Right. But you know what? Maturity, I love that you said that word, because that's what we're looking for. Maturity, fathers need to have that sense of maturity, right, in order to teach their sons or yeah. in order to deal with their sons. Absolutely. You know, and patience is only the first of those characteristics mentioned there. Love is kind. You know, it is so tempting, and we might even call it just a part of our fallen human nature, to be unkind to the very people that we should be the most kind with. And that is those who are the closest to us. But for some reason, the temptation is to think that those that we are closest to, our children, uh, our, our spouse, uh, it's okay to be unkind once in a while, but never is love unkind. Wow. Love drives us, causes us, actually enables us, again, through the working of the Holy Spirit, to give us the ability to be zealous toward those that we love, in a good sense. Be zealous toward being kind, not pity. Pity is not the same thing. Most people don't want pity. Kindness is actually doing, acting on behalf of someone who is suffering. So 
it's a matter of making a decision that we're making it to take actions to help those in our lives in any way that we can. And in that way, we are showing kindness to them. It's like patience, as described above uh, before, as in being a fruit of the Spirit. It's supernaturally produced in us, this ability to be kind toward those uh, that we love the most. You know, when we spend a lot of time with people, people have heard the expression, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Right. Somehow it's those people that we don't see as much that, that it's easier for us to be kind to. And the temptation is that if we're with someone a lot and the things that they do that get on our nerves over a period of time, we you know may become in our own minds free to tell those people that person, that child, the way they behave just gets on your nerves. <laughs> yeah, right. And we have to watch that because uh, everything that we say, every negative thing that we say to our children has a deep impact, deeper impact than I think that uh, sometimes we realize. Perhaps you've seen some parents who just will not hold anything back and say all kinds of things. I know parents who curse at their children, say all kinds of mean things to them, and those things hurt deeply a child. Those things are unkind. That is not love. That's the opposite of love. Right. It is. Love love finds a way to communicate in a way that gets the point across, but only in a kind manner. That is what love demands. So if we are to love the way God loves, we must be patient, we must be kind at all times to those people who are the object of our love. That's good. So I'm thinking of, like you said, this could be an entire series, which it's going to be, but it's awesome that you are taking the time to articulate and explain, because what the audience wants to know, how is this practically done? I am very fortunate in that I had a dad uh, who loved God and who really did demonstrate for his kids. He had 13 kids. Wow. And, and he, he really did demonstrate for us what it looks like to be a Christian. I'll give you an example of that. I can remember one time I was at home from school, just a kid. My dad who, who had an odd shift, he worked for the city of Dayton on the street crew. They, they are the ones that, that took care of the streets overnight. And so he would come home in the morning after, after working all night. And this was during a period of time when he didn't, didn't have those extra jobs, which he used to take on because of, you know, having so many children. Uh, he had to work a lot. But he was home this particular day, and I was home. And it was a hot summer day. And I can remember as though it was yesterday. He notices that on the street, there are some crews working. And there's a guy out there just working away and sweating. And and my dad goes out and he, he says something to them. And he comes back in and he pours two glasses of water and fills it with ice. And he took them out to those men who were working out there. Now, these are white men. My dad's a black man. My dad's a a Christian, and he lived it. And that act of kindness made a deep impression upon me. 
because I know my dad was tired. He'd been working all night. Right. And he has a lot of responsibilities, a deacon at the church. He does plenty of good deeds, good father to his children, good husband to his wife. And yet he took the time to perform an act of service to some men working in our neighborhood. And I never forgot that. It said to me, now here, here is a real man of God. Because he doesn't just preach it, he doesn't just pretend to be this on Sundays at church, but every day of his life he tries to be a man that would please God. So that act of kindness spoke more to me than a thousand sermons on kindness. That's good. Because it was a man in my home whom I looked up to, who I knew to be a Christian, who was acting like Jesus. That's good, brother. So there are many practical things we can do, everyday things we can do as men, as dads. Now, this applies to mothers as well. This is aimed at fathers because we need discipleship. And so we're just pointing out that fathers are a powerful resource that every child needs, and we have an impact upon our children like no one else can. Mm. So the things that we do, the way that we live, the things that we say, the way we treat our children has a powerful impact upon them far beyond anything we might say to them. And one question that I have, Eli, when we are thinking about this and and our listeners today, so many of those people probably listening today are thinking, yeah, but I personally did not have a Christian father. I didn't have a godly example. And so where do I turn? What do I do? Like, in a practical sense, I haven't had that example. Here's what I have learned in the years, and we've been working with Dad since 2006. Here's what I've learned. Men who were not fathered often turn out to be some of the best fathers you'll ever want to meet. That's because exciting. they have determined in their hearts that they don't want to give their children the experience that they had. They want to be the father for their children that they never had. Mm. They want to, to be the exact opposite of what they experienced because they know how much it hurt. They know how much they missed, and they don't want their children to experience that. And so these fathers, just given a little bit of encouragement, just supported, you know, by the church, supported by the community, turn out to be some of the best dads you'll ever want to meet. So if you fall in that category that you were not fathered yourself, or you were fathered poorly, or perhaps even abused, the thing I want you to know is that that does not mean you will turn out to be like your father was. That's good. Because you, you can be the game changer. Come on. I just talked about my father. My father was not fathered. Mm. He grew up with this memory of his father walking away from the family, literally. He, he, one day, my grandfather told my grandmother, I'm leaving, and I'm not coming back. Wow. And, and the children were there. My father and his siblings were there. Now, it turns out that this man had actually started another family. Wow. Uh, and and he, was, he was leaving my grandmother and her children for this other woman. 
and, and my dad and his sisters were so brokenhearted. He talked about how his sister went running down the road after him, screaming, Daddy, please don't leave. Oh, my. And my father decided as a young man, as a, as a boy, really, that he would never be the kind of man who would walk off and leave his family. And so he made a choice that I'm going to be the father that my children need. I'm going to be the husband that my, that my future wife is going to need. And he stuck to that promise with the help of God. He turned to God. Right. And with the examples of, of the men in the church, the deacons and the pastors mentoring him, he turned out to be one of the best fathers you would ever want. Wow. So, Having come from a background in which you were not fathered is not a reason to not be a good father yourself. In fact, there's every motivation there to determine that you're going to ask God to help you to be the father that your children need. So what I hear you saying, Eli, is it's just a decision, really. And I remember this for myself. It's like, I'm going to break this cycle. I am not going to continue in it. Because it's all basically a matter of choice. So you determine, I think, is am I going to just follow suit or am I going to be who God called me to be and turn to my heavenly father for that direction, for that guidance, for that teaching, for all of that. And without patience, I love how you uh, opened up with the patience piece. It's not going to happen overnight, but it starts with a decision. Absolutely. It starts with a decision, and then with the help of God, because remember, if we're going to love the way God loves, then we need the same love that God has. Amen. He is the source of that love. As we surrender our lives to Christ, and He fills us with His Holy Spirit, He gives us then the resource that we need to develop agape love in our lives. And that's really the process of discipleship because we become more and more like Christ as we follow him and as we study the scriptures and apply the scriptures in our lives, then these traits of love develop within us through the working of the Holy Spirit. Uh, That's the only way, really, to, to have what really are supernatural attributes like love and patience and kindness and self-control. Those things come from the Holy Spirit. So as we grow in Christ and become more and more like Him, it is the Holy Spirit that's enabling that. Then it's just a matter of practicing it, a matter of living it, of doing what we know that we are being prompted to do by the Holy Spirit. And that is what enables a man to be the best father he can be and give their children what no one else can. And that is their fully developed father love. Well, I can tell you from experience as well, Eli, is there's no greater joy in being an earthly dad than to see your children that you have fathered and raised, to see them grow up and raise up people, children, right, to be sons and children of God himself. So there's no greater joy in that. And I know you just talked about patience. Love is patient. Love is kind. But love itself is fulfilled, I think, when you see duplication. 
So me as a dad, when my son raised up and he's now serving the Lord and he now just a year ago got married and now they're expecting their first child. And I'm like, there's no greater joy than doing that, walking that out. It just, because it's meant to be, it's the way that God set it up. It's the way that God ordained it, you know, for us to teach our children. And really, I love it because that is the heart of a father. And as Jesus said in John 17, Father, you and I are one. And I love that because we become one with our heavenly father when we duplicate and raise up children to follow hard after God. That is God's plan for the world. Unfortunately, you know, there are just too many men who have not had this teaching or have chosen not to follow these teachings. And as a result, we have a crisis in our neighborhoods. We have a crisis really in our country. And uh, to be totally honest, it's an international crisis Oh, yeah. In which fathers are missing. They are not there for their children. And as a result, we've got these children growing up without having the love of this father there as, as their protector and order keeper and provider and stabilizer and leaving the mothers to raise the children by themselves. And although there are some women out there, there are some moms out there who are doing just a phenomenal job without the assistance of the children's biological father, but that's not the way God designed it. What he designed is for the father and the mother together, raise their children up in a loving home, sharing with them the love of God so that they then can repeat the process as you were just describing. So as a result of so many children, and we're talking about 24 million children in America, right? Just the U.S. Wow. 24 million children growing up as what can be called in a father-absent home, meaning that the biological father, and there may be another father figure there, but the biological father is not there as a parenting partner with the mother. And so many of these children, as a result, both the boys and the girls, research is showing, are many times more likely to be poor. Many times more likely to become drug addicts, to commit crimes, uh, wow. to become pregnant prematurely, to have behavioral problems, to have academic issues, to have emotional problems. And so then they become a burden upon society. And so rather than being contributing as best they can to society, they become a liability for society and it impacts every area of life in our communities. So because we are not operating as a whole, as a nation, and as nations in the world, the way God designed the family, we have all kinds of problems that we try to solve with social programs, with the prison system, with the mental health systems, which are failing. And so the world keeps spiraling down, 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 because of the want of mature and responsible fathers in the lives of children, helping to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So this is why this work is so important. And I think that as the church, the capital C church and individual churches, we have this massive opportunity to reach out 
to and begin to work with the fathers in our own midst, those fathers who are members of our churches, those fathers who become, who are evangelized, new Christians that come into the body of Christ. We have an opportunity to work with them and raise up an army of men who show their friends, their neighbors, what it is to be a godly man, to be a godly father. And we can begin to make change that way, but it's got to start in the church. And I've never talked to a pastor who didn't say, we need a ministry to fathers in our church. Yeah, right. That, that is what we have begun to do, but we're not scratching the surface. We're not even putting a little fingernail mark on the, on the surface of where this needs to go if we're going to make lasting change in our world. Eli, man, <laughs> this is a huge topic, and I really appreciate you helping us open, if it were, this can of worms today, because it is so desperately needed. And you're right. If we can't begin right where we are, because as you mentioned, all of those statistics are because of the absence of a father or absence of a father figure even, and it is the way it's laid out by God. It's the way he laid it out in Scripture and instructed us, and we are to lead our children, to point our children to our Heavenly Father. And without that, man, there is no foundation and there's just, you know, everybody just grab for themselves whatever you can get and try to hold on to. And wow, what a huge topic that we are going to begin the series with today. And you have been listening to Pastor Eli Williams in Springfield, Ohio, share his heart, at least a little piece of his heart, about this father ministry and connecting children with their fathers and fathers with their Heavenly Father. Pastor Eli, thanks for joining us today. You've been a tremendous blessing to me and our listeners today. Well, I appreciate that. If anyone wants more information, you can go to my website, uh, PastorEli.com, PastorEli.com, and I'd be happy if you reach out to me to give you more information about the work that we're doing. Thank you. God bless. Amen. You've been listening to Time to Revive. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at shinefmohio.com. The Shine FM Podcast Network.